You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. Sri Lanka clamps down on social media in the wake of Easter massacres. Authorities suspect an Islamist group, but no terrorist organization has so far claimed responsibility. CIA intelligence is said to have the goods on Chinese security services hold over Huawei. Marcus Hutchins, also known as Malware Tech, and famous as the sometime hero of the WannaCry kill switch, has taken a guilty plea to charges connected with the distribution of Kronos banking malware. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, April 22, 2019. Sri Lankan authorities have shut down most social media in that country in an effort to prevent the spread of inflammatory rumor or disinformation. The restrictions follow a series of apparently coordinated suicide bombings that killed Christians at worship in Batakaloa, Colombo, and Negomba, and others, including guests staying at tourist hotels at five other sites in Colombo. Police have arrested 24, but no group has claimed responsibility. Agence France Presse reports that Sri Lankan security authorities issued an alert over a week ago warning police that chatter collected from various intelligence sources suggested the likelihood of jihadist actions by nations Thawahid Jaman, or NTJ, during the Christian Holy Week. It remains unclear whether that group organized the bombings. CNN says almost 300 are dead. About 500 are wounded. NTJ had previously distinguished itself mostly by defacing Buddhist statues in the majority Buddhist nation. Sri Lanka had gone through a lacerating civil war from 1983 to 2009, but the opposing sides were defined ethnically and geographically with the predominantly Hindu Tamils, a bit more than 11% of the population, seeking an independent state among the northern rim of the island. The majority Sinhalese, with about 75% of the population, are predominantly Buddhist. A coordinated campaign of lethal violence on the parts of jihadists is something new. Muslims make up less than 10% of the country's population, slightly more than Christians. Authorities concluded this morning that the NTJ was in all likelihood responsible and have taken a number of its adherents into custody for questioning. They've also found quantities of explosives, for the most part detonators, in the possession of the group. The police and intelligence services think there's a fairly high probability that the bombers received assistance from like-minded international jihadist groups. Reuters quotes experts who see ISIS or al-Qaeda in the attack's methods. Sri Lanka's defense minister attributed the massacres to followers of religious extremism. Investigation continues. A presidential commission has been appointed to look into the massacres. 
It's likely to also look inward at what some critics are calling an intelligence failure. The clampdown on social media is a preventative reaction. Social media has spread violent contagion elsewhere in South Asia over the past year, and various figures in the NTP have romped pretty freely across YouTube, in particular in recent months. The Times of London reported Saturday that the CIA shared intelligence with Five Eyes Partners, establishing Huawei's significant funding by Chinese security services. The Times treats this as significant, which suggests their sources see investment amounting to control, not simply purchase of goods and services. More significant, for example, than what the Washington Post notes in an unrelated editorial about Microsoft's AI research cooperation with a Chinese military university. While one might question the wisdom of a U.S. company working with a Chinese defense research establishment on any number of grounds, they might include the risk of sensitive technology transfer, IP theft, providing technology that might be used in ongoing repressive measures, and so forth. But it would seem a stretch, to say the least, to say that Microsoft had come under the sort of control Huawei is thought to be subject to. Thus, it would be interesting to learn more of the nature of the funding Huawei received. Marcus Hutchins, sometime hero of WannaCry's Kill Switch, pleaded guilty to U.S. federal charges involving making and selling malware for, quote, surreptitious interception of wire, oral, or electronic communication, end quote. Hutchins, also known by his white hat name MalwareTech, was apparently already a person of interest to the U.S. FBI for some time before he came to fame for stumbling across WannaCry's kill switch and recognizing that kill switch for what it was. He was arrested in the U.S. while on a kind of post-WannaCry victory lap through the conference circuit in the U.S. The crime to which he has allocuted, as they say on Law & Order, involved the creation and sale of the Kronos banking malware, designed to harvest account credentials. Hutchins apparently began his malware entrepreneurial career in his teens. He says he's outgrown that phase and that he now knows better, and no doubt he does. This may well be another instance of that sadly familiar online disinhibition that grips so many when they use the Internet. Mr. Hutchins, a British subject, now faces sentencing. The two counts in his guilty plea each carry a maximum sentence of five years. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire.
The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. He's also my co-host on the Hacking Humans podcast. Joe, great to have you back. It's good to be back, Dave. Uh, we've got an interesting uh, story to share with us here today. This is about passwords. What, right. what do we got here? This one comes from WP Engine, uh, who did a little bit of research. And if you go to wpengine.com slash unmasked, you can find this incredibly interesting article in here. Yeah. These folks do uh, WordPress hosting. Right. What they did was they went out and they got a hold of a couple of old breaches, and they started analyzing the breaches and seeing if they could pull out matching passwords, if they mm-hmm. could generate matching pa- matching passwords. So all these passwords were plain text passwords that have already been cracked, but what they did was they looked at the, uh, at the information and they tried to do some correlation and figure out how easy it was to generate a password that would match. So they aren't actually doing any hashing. Mm. And one of the things they say in this report is that uh, Hashcat, they talk about Hashcat uh, being able to perform 300,000 hashes a second, depending on how your password is hashed. Right. The limit to Hashcat is really how much money you have to spend on hardware. Mm. So if you can buy a bunch of GTX 1080 Ti's and put them into a machine, that can crack way more than 300,000 passwords well, a second. Couldn't, couldn't you also uh, buy that service from like AWS or they yep. have they have GPUs yeah, for, yeah, for they sale, do. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They yeah. have GPU processing for sale. You can probably run Hashcat on that as well. I haven't yeah. ever tried it. I've used my own GPUs to do this, but it, Hashcat's a remarkable tool. You should look into it. A mm-hmm. uh, couple things. There is no difference in the quality of passwords between men and women mm. that we're all equally bad at it. <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, oh, phew. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you're going to add a a number at the end of your password, that really doesn't make it any more secure. Hmm. Can you guess the number one number that was added at the end of a password to make it different? Well, uh, the, hmm, hmm, the number hmm. one password. Yeah. Number one. The number, number, the number one. Number one. Number one right. choice. Oh, it was the number one. There you go. It's number one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so if you, if you take your password and put a one after it, that essentially doesn't make any difference, right? Because so many people do that. Right. 23% of passwords that end in a number end in the number one. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so well, I'll just choose two. <laughs> right. Yep. That's 6.72 passwords end in the number two. So this this method is not effective. It is not effective. Okay. Absolutely not effective. Yeah. Effective. Now, they talk about this, this concept called password entropy, right. right, which is essentially a measure of how good your password is. And they say that a password with an entropy of 60 or greater is actually less common than a password with an entropy of 0 to 5. Hmm. So a lower number is worse, right? So a, a, a password with an entropy of 0 to 5 would be something that you could, that you could crack in, in a matter of seconds, oh. right? And a password that with uh, entropy of greater than 60 would be something that you could crack in, uh, in years. Oh, wow, right? okay. So it's much more common to find passwords you can crack in a second than it is to find passwords that take forever to crack. Right, right. Okay. I guess that's not surprising. That, that is not surprising. 
do you think that you're clever by using uh, keyboard patterns to generate passwords? Because you know that's that's going to be a hard password that's kind of difficult to remember. Yeah, we see, uh, see a random string of numbers by walking down the keyboard. Right. Yeah. It's not really random at all. It's it's terribly predictable, just like <laughs> almost everything humans do. Right. And right. Uh, this report shows you twenty different patterns, including one that's actually generated just by pressing uh, the digits two through nine on your keyboard. On your on your on mobile your, device. On your mobile keyboard, right? Yeah. On your mobile device. Yeah. So, I mean, that one looks like it's secure because it's A-D-G-J-M-P-T-W. Right. So if you look at it on a regular keyboard, it looks random. Yeah. But on a mobile device, um, you're mobile just walking. Mobile two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Walking nine. along. Okay. <laughs> mm. Silly humans. Right. I love I love these kind of reports. The the most used base password phrase. Number one, still password. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> it's still just password. Mm-hmm. Then they break it down by nouns, verbs, and colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was, I was happy to see that uh, it names and usernames that David is on there, but Joe is not. That's right. <laughs> uh, the article starts. I love. I, in the middle of this article, they have like lists of of, of different kinds of password parts. Right. Right. And it starts with saying, name your favorite superhero, pick a number between 1 and 10, and then pick a color, mm-hmm. right? So if that's how you're generating your passwords, then you're generating passwords that are easy to guess because I can take a very limited set of lists and start trying to crack these passwords just by appending them together. And the the fact that you're putting a number between them, I know you're going to pick a number between 1 and 100 probably, right? right? So that's where I'm going to start guessing. But more importantly than that, I have to say this again, Dave. <laughs> you should not be generating your own passwords. You should be using a password manager to do that for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were to ask me what my password to Facebook is, I don't know what my password to Facebook is. My password manager knows that, and it's a it's a twenty character randomly generated password that would take years to crack. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. One of the things in this article is. They went through some high-profile folks right. and tracked uh, what the entropy of those passwords would be and how long it would take to crack them. Some of them take tenths of a second. Some of them take hours or, or longer. Right. But uh, the, the but longest, they're... the strongest password of the, of the bunch belonged to a GitHub developer. It's basically what you describe. It's the you know 20-character long, just random string of characters that have absolutely no meaning or no association with anything. Right. And it had an entropy of 96. Mm-hmm. The weakest was a senior manager at a, at a major tech company, and it was one, two, three, four, five, six. He said it was probably for a throwaway sign-up or something like that. Because right. who would be so... Silly. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Thanks for saving me there. I was thinking of another S word, but uh, yours is much better. Yours is much better. Yeah. Yes, don't do that. Use a password manager. Use a password manager. Use a password manager. And another way you can... Increase your strength is by using multi-factor authentication. And once again, you know, everybody thinks they have a system. Right. Everybody thinks they're being clever. Nope, your system stinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you that right now. Your right. system is not as good as randomly or pseudo-randomly picked yeah. letters by a computer. Yeah, and thanks to this article, I mean, you've got the data to prove it. Right, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I, I recommend folks check this out. It's an interesting article. Uh, so, uh, Joe, thanks for bringing it to our attention. Great having you on the show. It's my pleasure, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security 
by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire.